Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the May 26, 2018 edition of the podcast. Joining me today, we first got Adam Vitali. Hey. Hello. We got Cosmo. Hey. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Welcome back, of course. I haven't called you Cosmo Kiryu this time, so... (laughs) Thanks for that one. I don't know why, actually... Full disclosure, I legitimately thought that your last name was Kiryu because I'm so used to just. No. As soon as I made the mistake, well, I'm like, oh, play along, play along. Well, okay, I thought you'd do it this week because um, I made this like tweet earlier where I was like, oh man, I just realized I got invited to a cabaret club with friends and they have a really strict dress code, and the only suit I have is my Kiryu like cosplay. <laughs> so I have to wear that to the cabaret with all my friends. And that's just, that's a lot. But, anyways. I'm- Full, full, I mean, also, you make that suit look good, so that's perfect. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Yes. Uh, you look exactly like Cosmo. Uh, and, of course, we've got the return of Adam Reese. Hello. I am back. Hello. It's been a while since we've had both Adams on the podcast, so watch yeah. me fumble through. And for good movies. reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be kind of a, an issue. But that's fine. Uh, we've got all of you guys on here to discuss some important games uh, that have been out and will be coming out. Uh, something exciting for all of us, really. So first up, uh, we'll focus on Adam Vitali. Now, you did not post anything for games you've been playing. I assume you haven't played anything based on that. Oh, I've been I've been a little busy this week. Um, the only game I've been playing is I a couple of weeks ago, I brought up Breath of Fire 3 yes. and talked about that a bit. Awesome soundtrack. And, we talked about it. Uh, I, that soundtrack kind of blew me away in a sense. Like, I wouldn't say it's like the best soundtrack on the on the PlayStation, you know, on PlayStation 1 RPGs, but it was just so different from, from what I expected and unlike most other games that it was just kind of surprising um, the types of tones and musical styles it used. Uh, so in that sense, it was really cool. Um, jazz and parlor and disco and whatnot. Yeah. Now, now, I recently reviewed Change Journey Redux, um, I talked about that last week, and now that I've finished with that, I jump. Uh, I finished Breath of Fire three, and I jumped into Breath of Fire four, uh, which I know is a game that you are very fond of. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I think your your PSN avatar is even from that game. <laughs> yeah, it's really, uh, of course. Yes. Yeah, from it's that version of Ryu yeah, from the yeah, fourth yeah. game. Perfect. Uh, and so I'll keep this brief, but. There is a pretty considerable jump from three to four in terms of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, like the localization quality. Um, the earlier games, especially one and two, you can tell they're very early games and they don't really have a whole lot of like story stuff to begin with, really. But it's all very kind of robotic in a sense. It's everyone speaks very tersely in terms of you need to save the world and go here and do this. Um, and three was better, but still kind of felt like it still kind of felt old in a sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Traditional, um, traditional, yeah. Yeah. Where this game is like the dialogue is much more natural. Um, characters actually feel like characters rather than just, you know, sprites on the screen speaking uh, words. Um, the game looks amazing. Uh, it's once again, once again, it's sprite based. Now this is something it's going to be difficult to describe in words, but it's got this sprite style that allows for a lot of fluidity in the uh, in the can- in the animations. That yeah, it's got a lot of little in between uh, frames. That yeah, adds to, uh... 
And it's also the all the game also does a pretty good job at avoiding the use of like of canned animations where they just use like they do like the same thing over and over. There's some of those, but there's also just there's a lot of different scenes in the game uh, or motions in the game where characters will animate in ways you know that are just unique to that scene or whatever, and it's it's fun and it's cool rather than them always doing the same you know gestures or whatnot. Yeah. Um, also. The first three Breath of Fire games are, and I, I've experienced this, and I so I, I know it firsthand now. They are a little bit grindy. I kind of hesitate to say it like that, but they do require you. To, uh, they are pretty tough in a way, and they are. It can be lessened by grinding a bit, kind of boosting your characters in order to uh, proceed through the game. And they're not they're not especially easy games. Um, no, I remember. Heard, in, yeah. In Breath of Fire 3, like Momo's Tower, for instance, is one of the dungeons. And like I remember actually struggling a little bit, you know, by the time I got to the end of the tower, I'm running out of mana, I'm running out of healing items, and things like that. Breath of Fire 4 tones things down a lot. It's it's honestly actually a little bit maybe too streamlined for me, I think. It's I kind of feel like it's it's a little I'm grinding breezing through it almost too effortlessly. Um and on one hand, it's kind of nice because the other games were kind of tough uh, in a sense, and this game is much less so. But on, on, it kind of just feels like it's almost too, it almost lightened up too much. Um, but the storyline and stuff is much more prevalent. It's a lot more interesting than the previous games. Uh, and it, one thing that this game does, Breath of Fire 4, is that it, it jumps between your main character and, and his party, Ryu and Nina and all them, and a secondary character, Fulu, who is related to Ryu in a way. And I'm not at the point yet where I really understand that relationship yeah. or how it's going to work. Probably not uh, but it, it, yeah, yeah I, I'm in chapter three of four, I think there are four. Yeah. Um, uh, there soon. Like, the, yeah. like the game actually will designate the chapters. Um, but it, so it does this sort of dual protagonist thing um, throughout the game. And it's, at first, I felt like not a whole lot was happening in terms of the actual storyline. Just it was kind of slow in a sense, but it's really picked up uh, in the in the second and third chapter. So I'm interested in that, and we'll see where it goes from there. So uh, I want to ask, how much time did it take for you to do the hide and seek uh, side mission in the beginning? Hide and seek. The, the little kids game when you had to run around town and find the people. Uh, there was oh that one dungeon that one desert place. I don't know the town. Yeah, the one that was actually more annoying for me, like was there was one kid. I don't know if the, I don't remember if this was the same town or a different town, but there's this one orphan who starts running around and you have to catch him, and you kind of have to cut him off in a way or else he just runs away. <laughs> like that was. Almost, I mean, I think that's pretty much it's a hide and seek well, thing, pretty much. So that's I, well, I there's think. a hide and seek thing and sort of a chase this uh, kid yeah. that's misbehaving, and like it, it's no big deal, but it's just a little bit. I guess I should mention that both Breath of Fire 3 and 4 really love their mini games, and actually, that was kind of a thing about 3 that I kind of you know that uh soured me on it a little bit was that you're progressing through the game n- normally you know through the story through the mechanics and all this, every once in a while it just throws this sort of random mini game at you with totally different rules and whatnot um i think i might have mentioned this in the last podcast but like there's this one part where you meet a person who refuses to talk to you but you have to talk to them and you have to do that by like 
crafting a like shishu fish recipe for them and you have to do all this random kind of stuff kind of fetching and collecting and mini gaming to get it and it just kind of felt like a really big you know pump the brakes on this on the flow of the game and it was really kind of yeah just like why do i have to do all this like just filling time three four has some of that with like the hide and seek but a little bit less and they're usually the mini games that are there are usually just a, a little bit more uh you know they're, they don't really feel like they get in the way. They're 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 easier. They're simpler. They take less time and whatnot. But how do you do feel about money. how do you feel about the camera? It's a weird like you you do every it's it's isometric in a way where you uh, everything is kind of on an axis yeah. where you go northwest northeast southwest yeah, southeast. direction yeah um, and so like it feels like you're if, when I'm I'm playing on a PS3 controller, I'm playing it on the digital version on PS3, and you have to control. You almost more often than not, you're con- you're pressing the D-pad in one of the diagonal directions rather than one of the cardinal directions. Um, just the way the map is, so it's a little. It took a little bit of getting used to, but not not that big a deal, I think. You know just the way the map's laid out. You know what? I've always wanted to play it. Now I've heard. I mean. There's been some things about the development of this game where it was like there was like some censorship and things like that. Uh, that's some of that stuff you haven't encountered yet, and so I'm not going to bring that part of it up. Aside from like, have you met Sias yet? Sias? Yeah, uh, he's like a samurai dog. Yeah. Do you know how he's got like a bit of a stutter? That's his character. Yes. He was drunk in the Japanese release, so they changed it to a stutter because they took out all references to alcohol in the game. That's one oh. of the things I found out about later because I thought it was like a, a weird thing they had for a character like that. And so that's apparently he was like a big drunk. Um, but the other thing I was curious about is that like apparently in Europe, they released Breath of Fire 4 on PC. Uh, yeah, I yeah, saw that. Like, yeah, did you, have you seen like some of the images from that? Because they had like a weird pixel smoothing thing. I don't know like your opinion on pixel smoothing on those kind of games. No, I, I usually don't like it. Um, oh, it looks kind of like, especially when you play like those remastered uh, like Street Fighter 2 HD or something like that on, on uh, PS3. Yeah. It's like the smoothing just kind of really makes it look ugly. And it, actually, that's kind of what like Square Enix has been guilty of when they try to bring PS2 games over is that it's like they got like weird smoothing going on with that stuff. So I was curious about like, because they said shorter loading times as well, but I don't remember the load times in Breath of Fire 4 being too bad. I don't know. No, I I mean, I'm playing the digital version, so it may not be exactly the same, but I haven't noticed any really performance issues at all. Um, if you're playing so. disc, it'd be a, a bigger issue. But that was just something. <laughs> but I, I remember when I was looking up, like, how long to beat, you know, just curious, how long is this game compared to the other one? And it's about 40 hours, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I saw that, like, had a PC version. And this is like, whoa, that's, you don't, you don't see that very often for a, a, a PS1 RPG, like JRPG, having a PC version. Yeah. Uh, and it, it yeah. must be kind of weird. You were talking about how that uh, Breath of Fire 4 had, like, that little jazz motif or something like that it must be well, weird when three you did it. yeah three i'm sorry three had the jazz a little bit of a jazz motif in that this is straight up just more or- orchestral uh so what's your opinion on going to that music after it's, i mean it's less memorable because it's more uh like just conforming to it's more typical in a sense yeah um one track that sticks out to me right now as you asked me about it is there's this track that plays in a couple of places um one is on the uh it's the, it's one of the empire forts that you go to relatively early in the game. I forget what it's called. Uh, it's it's more, it's kind of like a, a percussion type march type of track that I actually kind of like. Um, but yeah, the rest of it. Oh, and uh, Fulu 
kind of has this uh, Chinese sort of motif to his. So his music stands out a bit. Um, but otherwise, it's, yeah, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> but it definitely did not, you know, strike me in the face or in the ears. Like the third games did were just really obvious. Like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think really I'm right there. Out. Yeah, I'm right there with you in that. I think three's soundtrack was more memorable. Uh, it was better. I mean, yeah. let's just be honest. Than four's was not that there was like bad music in that game. It's just yeah. it it did something different that you appreciated, and I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what you're you're finding out for yourself. But you know, I was just yeah. curious your opinion on that because yeah. I'm, I'm of the same kind of track of mind on that one. So, so yeah, it's it's been mostly Breath of Fire four though for you. Yeah, um, it was just one of those series I hadn't gotten around to yet, and kind of getting to that point of the year where a little bit light on game releases, uh, so might as well knock a few of these classic games out that I haven't played yet. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I, I really love the sprite style. Just, it's actually kind of you know, like I would take a game that looks like you know Breath of Fire over I don't know, like if you're comparing. PlayStation 1 games, of course, like Breath of Fire, both of them, 3 and 4, look so much better than any of the Final Fantasy games, you know? Or Dragon Quarter, <laughs> if you want to compare well, like, the series. Well, I, 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 I'm going to play that. I, I understand that's an old, that's an early PS2 game, so... Yeah. I can help you with that game, because I know a lot about them. <laughs> so what I'm somebody told... Go ahead. Somebody told me that the mechanics in Breath of Fire 5, or Dragon Quarter... We're not made for humans. That's the way they put it. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 if, you, if you understand how it works, you can easily break the game. That's the thing. So just come to me if you want to break the game, because I will teach you how. <laughs> that, I mean, that's. That, I mean, obviously, as you said, it's an early PS2 game. It's kind of funny because I remember Breath of Fire Four. I think around the time it was coming out, I, I remember reading about it. Is that uh, people thought that'd be a PS2 game because they were kind of hyping it up to be it, but then it turned out to be another PS1 game. Uh, Breath of Fire Four came out in 2000, I believe. So it'd yeah. be like right before the PS2. It was like, I mean, I think was it March or, or something like that of that year uh, that the PS2 came. Uh, oh, actually, it was late that year. Uh, I think it was. I think I'm thinking of like maybe March 2000. 2001 for america but yeah it, it's um it was supposed to be one of those games but yeah you go to something like that like i personally i mean I, i'm right there with you i would love to see a game like this even today when you're comparing like say if i had if you gave me the option between having let's say breath of fire's art style versus maybe octopath travelers i think octopath traveler looks awesome but i think i would still kind of lean towards that other style just because it's it, there's like some smooth fluidity as you said about it that makes it seem so modern uh compared yeah. to a lot of the other games especially in that era we're talking about like a lot of those games from that time everything was trying to be 3d but then it took yeah. the 2d to the max it was kind of like what vanillaware was doing with princess crown at the time for the saturn it's like they took a 2d style still made it look great and that's kind of like what i appreciated and then you see oh i'm not going to talk about the next the well, fire game that came out <laughs> recently but. yeah i mean it's like i said earlier it's hard to describe but like the sprite style in four, especially, is just super fluid. Like more than you know any anything you can expect from an SNES game or or even lots of other sprite style games on PlayStation One. It's just it's it's just really cool to just watch as you play it. It's it's like I love it. It's a good motivator, that's for sure. I know you're a huge fan of sprite work as as much as I am, so that's that's cool. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about Dragon Court because it's not like it's not it's kind of like one of those. Uh, black sheep games and that it's it's either you like it or you don't and so i'm, I'm curious to hear what you what you'll think about that when you do you already yeah. know the game actually i do okay. yeah 
so you'd be ready for that. One last thing I want to say about Breath of Fire 4. I really love also like the character portraits. They are they how do I put this that doesn't sound uh stupid or whatever. They don't look too Japanese or too anime. It's it, they look really kind of fantasy influence in a way. Yeah, well, maybe it's like I don't, it's hard to describe in words, but they have like this artist artsy art artsy style to them mm-hmm. um, th- that it gives it a really unique look, kind of like the sprite style in a sense, um, where it doesn't, if you look at it, it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is just another anime game or whatever. Um, and it just, it, it's, I think it's really cool. No, no, it's like this weird quasi like Asian influence sort of like, or Middle Eastern influence, yeah. kind of like that, kind of that style to it, but it really fits mm-hmm. in to make its own style, make its own look. That's unique. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the exact same character artist from But the Fire Three, uh, along with like a lot of the staff members are still just holdovers from Three, but they went in a mm-hmm. different direction uh, with that. Even if once again the soundtrack ended up being kind of typical for the time orchestral, especially in the PS2 uh, time that would come later. Mm-hmm. But it like they went so far with the art style. Like just looking at gifts for that game, even today, it's, it's just mind blowing. I mean, we're talking about a game that came out you know, 18 years ago, and it still looks incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. goes to show, when you push the PS1 to its limits and do something like that. That's why, like, when you look at, like, Saturn 2D games, you're still, like, impressed by what they could do with that, because they had all this technological advancements, but they were still putting on 2D games. And just also shows 2D games hold up, tend to hold up a lot better than 3D games. That's kind of a given at this point. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, like I said, we'll hope to hear more about your continued adventures again through that stuff. Is there like another series that's kind of on your mind to play next after this one? Uh, one series that I have not played that I mean to, but I have no idea if I'll ever get around to it like soon. I might pronounce this incorrectly. Is it Grow Lancer? Yes. Actually, I think you'd really like that game, that series, because I've seen some of it, yeah. Like, I know the first game was never translated, but like the the second third and fourth were all like working designs and yes uh there's there's then there's been how many there's like six games i think and some side off spinoffs or whatever yeah, yeah so They're, they have like they had a couple collections uh like i think Golands, if i'm not mistaken like the one of them was like one of the last ps2 games released so it's actually kind of like it, it looks kind of uh pretty good uh Golands mm-hmm. are I'm, I'm blanking maybe adam knows like Golands are generations and what was the other one? well Someone on someone I know on Twitter was selling some of their stuff, and they have like a trilogy pack, I yes, guess. Yes, yes. Girl Intergenerations, which I think is two, three, and four. Yes. Um, and like I, was, I actually told this friend of mine, "Hey, I'm I'll buy that from you because <laughs> I have been looking to play those, and that's you know, that's I know that that collection is somewhat yeah yeah well there's like sorry there's a psp release too but yeah yeah Yeah. growlander generation growlander heritage of war yes that was the one and the one that i think i'm not sure wasn't the first one translated recently or am i like thinking of something it it might have had a fan translation yeah yeah. but But, one of the cool things about i think uh i can't remember i think it was growlander generations most of the voice cast of that game was also the voice cast of the lunar games so it's, it's like kind of, of working designs thing. That's, yeah. yeah, even Summer Night Five and Six use a lot of like lunar. Voice. We were talking about this on an earlier yeah. podcast, but uh, it, like I think like one of the important characters in Summer Night Six was the voice of Luna from Lunar. So. Wasn't wasn't that yeah. uh, what's that Saturn uh, working designs game that full armor like armor pant? No, I can't remember what it is. It's 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 like that game about the girl that has like pink hair and. Oh, uh, what's that? 
crap. The one that looks like <laughs> Luna Inverse. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna. It's gonna bug the crap out of me. You, you, it sounds like you're looking it up right now. But yeah, I'm gonna, I have to look it up because it's, it's gonna bother me too. As well, uh, what was that game? Uh, Popful but Mail. Anyway, yeah, Popful Mail. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's just it's it's one of those things you have to look it up, otherwise you're gonna go crazy. But yeah, Popful Mail has a bunch of lunar voices as well. It's like they have their own like group of people, and they just put them in there. And I just know that uh, the Growlanzer game. That's like the last uh, credit for a lot of them, if not most of their uh, the voices. It's that that's just right yeah. at the end. Outgrew their character it's, roles, I guess. Yeah, or, or it's a shame. Don't even work anymore. So yeah, I, I would I would recommend checking that out, uh, Adam. I think you'll really enjoy that um, because I've heard such great things. I've seen uh, uh, a couple of people on Twitter playing through those games, the Japanese ones, which is kind of a shame because we didn't get some of those games. And apparently, some of the best ones yeah. are the ones we didn't get. Kind of like the Sacro Wars games, we just didn't get any uh, all the good ones. Uh, which is yeah, there was that other like. Uh, there's been a bunch of those kind of games. Yeah, Growlands are like. Uh, wasn't it like who's the artist from that? Uh, but uh, yeah, his other games like um, Isn't just this the person who did like the Escaflown uh, art, the same artist or something like that. Maybe or I'm, I'm thinking of a. Uh, I'm thinking of Hyante Kim, but I'm not sure if it's the same person because he has that kind of look to it. To uh, Record of Lotus War, I think it was. No, I'm I'm probably to- totally messing up the artist, but yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I think we've been on the subject long, long enough. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's somebody else. That's uh, that's uh, never mind. I got the guy wrong, but yeah, you know, here. <laughs> but yeah. Be sure to check that out. So, Adam, another Adam. Yeah, uh, me, Adam. You are, of course, our resident MMO person for the site. Yeah. And so uh, I know you've been getting back into... Well, let's talk about the this game first before we get into the game you're actually covering. Uh, you've been playing some Final Fantasy XIV. You talked about this yeah. before on, that, you were, uh, that you were playing through that special like dungeon mode last night. Yeah, it was Palace of the Dead. Uh, yeah, it's like, when, it's like one of those things where you just, it's like roguelike... Uh, I finally like. Um, I've been. I was told repeatedly, like, get back to the main story. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I've, I'm like missing out on all these different things because I just. I was um, kind of committed to the idea of raising all the classes to level thirty so I can unlock everything and do all that. Like that was just like, just one of those things where like I have some kind of OCD complex where I need everything to be at the same level, and that I was just doing that with those classes. But after a while, um, I went straight back to the main story, and I've been kind of trudging through the two uh, point X, like all that two point stories. Yeah, I'm so I've, sorry for you. Yeah, you just bias it because two point is so tiring. I'm almost done. That's the thing. Like I'm like the pro. Like uh, I just got done with the Keeper of the Lake missions, but I'll just uh, I, like you I have just like another keep... hundred more quests to go with <laughs> Heaven Sword. Like it's a lot. Yeah, but I can't just quit now after all the work I put in. That's just the thing. But yeah, yeah it's it's a real shame because like it's it's obviously they just uh, put in a ton of filler between the base game and Heaven's Ward, and I'm just trying to get to that because everyone else is like the Heaven's Ward content is or every, it gets exciting. It's everything's good. Uh, like it's just get there, get there, and uh, stop. Like I already spent a lot of money like transferring my characters and other MMOs and. I can't keep spending money on MMOs. I have to. <laughs> I can't even pay for a skip. I have to get through it, and uh, at least the thing that like is making it worth it for me is that I'm. I finally got a full gear set, 
uh, for my paladin beyond the base games, like maxed out Gil said, I'm finally get. I have like this like kind of gray muscular armor, and <laughs> even that sounds kind of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just getting all this armor and his uh, weapons and stuff, and I'm trying to like trying to get through everything as fast as possible. So I'm ignoring side quests as much as I can. I although I did do the circus towers, the crystal tower stuff. Uh, oh yeah, those extra raids are really, really fun. I think it's some of the best content in the game. And with Heaven's Ward, yeah, like the story really does pick up with Heaven's Ward, and then it kind of drops off in Stormblood. I've heard that. So get ready mm-hmm. for like the fucking like crescendo of like ugh, it's it's a lot. Yeah, but just I, just don't start relic weapon, okay? Just promise me you won't start your relic weapon. Oh no, I've I learned my lesson from Final Fantasy Eleven that if I try to do a relic weapon, I'm just going to end up hating the game. Like, I tried to get Excalibur in Final Fantasy XI, and that's just that in the Aegis Sealed. And, you know, if you have to do the same special attack, like, a hundred times, and then you have to do it another hundred times and do it another hundred times, at a certain amount of time, you're just going to start hating the game and hating yourself, and you're just going to end up ditching it. So I need mm-hmm. to avoid those kind of, like, trappings and go straight to the next story quest. I just have to get through the rest of the more main story stuff, and that's that's all I'm focusing on right now is just getting through all that and skip right to heaven's sword although like i almost want to do it as a like you see those trailers for heaven's sword it's like drag uh dragoon and stuff it's like should i be playing this game as a dragoon <laughs> that's it's always on the back of my mind i mean dragoon did get a really like big buff in heaven's ward because before that everyone's kind of like oh the dragoon's not so great like in 2.0 and in 3.0 the dragoon became a lot more viable when they um when you get your skills later on, when you do like your Heaven's Ward job quests, it really opens up and allows for more utility with a lot of these DPS classes. Yeah. Um, but that's also changed with Stormblood, so get ready for some really weird balance changes from like like just in between those two expansions. Yeah, I've heard like, like a ton of balance changes for that, and like the Bard, I think, got like a ton of balance changes. Yeah, and so the Machinist. Uh, has been changed a lot too from its like original playstyle and Heaven's Ward. Dark Knight, they're still talking about implementing more fixes for it because I guess whatever they did in Storm, like whatever they did when they went into Stormblood, really changed the class. And a lot of people who mained Dark Knight were really unhappy with it. So like, okay, we're gonna try and fix this yeah. because no one wants to play Dark Knight in any endgame raids because they don't well, think it's viable. So it's just yeah. I'm, I'm I have like a different experience because I am playing a paladin as I mentioned before, and mm-hmm. I got into this uh, story dungeon. I forget what it was. I think it was actually uh, at the base of the Crystal Tower. Like, not the... Mm-hmm. But it, it was, like, all the maze area, the labyrinth. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody was, like, saying, like, well, why are you playing as a main tank, as a paladin? You should let the Dark Knight, the warrior, do it, because obviously they're better. <laughs> it's, like, I guess, like, what people tell me online is, like, that's like super meta, like super end game stuff that you should be worried about main tank, not being a paladin, being a dark knight. Like they're telling me this kind of stuff and we're at level 50. And like, that's just colored my opinion of the paladin class ever since. It's like, uh, I played this class because I want to be the main tank and I'm being told that, no, just stick to off tank because obviously those other classes are better. And it. it's like, should I switch over? Cause I want to be no. the main tank. No, don't listen to that person. First of all, like play whatever, like, um, whatever class you want, because it's still viable as long as you're not running like fucking Bahamut Ultimate or yeah. Ultima, Ultima's Valid Ultimate, um, because you can work with any party comp so long as your team's really tight on the mechanics. Yeah, um, just here's hoping yeah. I don't run into uh, uh, much more of those kind of people because that's really going to drag my 
opinion of the Paladin down because I did it in Final Fantasy XI. After following a guy around, he would like defend me and help me through every quest. He was a Paladin, and that just kind of uh, brought me to be one as well. And if it turns out that Final Fantasy XIV kind of screwed over Paladins, that's really going to bother me for a while. Oh, no, absolutely not. Paladin, actually, so, like, last patch, Heaven's Ward, they weren't so good because Dark Knight was really shining, and then they buffed the Paladin again, and now the, everyone wants to be a Paladin because <laughs> you have this skill that makes you completely invulnerable at taking damage for 10 seconds. And Warrior has the same thing, but Dark Knight doesn't have that. Dark Knight has Living Dead, and so they have to die, and then they live for, like, 10 more seconds, but if you don't, like, fully heal them immediately, like, after that 10 seconds, they just drop dead. Paladin and Warrior do not have that problem, so they're better for tank busters and these one-hit mechanics and Dark Knight will ever be just because of the way that one skill plays out. Like, Uh they're way more viable. Yeah, that's that's the one skill that's like I can't fit on my action bar, and I'm wondering what I should swap out for it. And it's like hard, kind of hard to like you have the uh, block buff, you have the defense buff, you have the damage buff, and I just have to think about like okay, if I'm gonna go pure defense, I guess I need to switch out the damage buff for the uh, invincib- uh, temporary invincibility. So I guess maybe I'll just do that when I start playing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have fun with it. And it's really sweet to hear that your experience in Eleven kind of, like, moved you to be a paladin. That's really endearing. That's really nice. I like, I like yeah. wholesome MMO stories like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, he he would, like, uh, I was talking to him, and he would, like, uh, we were in the same guild together, and he would, like, he'd give me all this money I wasn't, like, because I was just uh, coming back after a long absence. And he'd help me through content like Abyssia and Dynamis and all this other stuff, he'd teach me, like, okay, go get the dancer job, get uh, your sub-job, and use the shadow jig that allowed you to be invisible and silent to get past all these enemy mobs, and he was, like, helping me every step of the way, and I just felt like, you know, he's he's soloing all these summons, like, I know that, like, he's uh, seriously out-leveled all these um, missions and stuff, so I don't, like, it's not like he was, like, doing it on level with them, but it just kind of endeared me to that class because of how, like, awesome he was at it. He had the Excalibur, he had the Aegis Shield, he was using Knights of the Round, he was doing everything that, like, somebody who's obviously put years and years into the class, so that just kind of made me feel like I I need to be this guy. It's -hmm. it's funny you mentioned about the Dragoon, because he was treated really poorly in Final Fantasy XI as well, as a character that can't really hang with everybody, and so hearing that that's kind of the... uh, perception of that class also in Final Fantasy XIV that it's not being treated well and it's kind of difficult to want to use them is kind of carryover it also seems yeah. Dra- Dragoons also have really bad reputation of always dying like everyone's like oh we don't need someone tanking too. the floor but they- yeah, yeah there's the lull drag yeah like uh, but no they're they're really great for utility now and um, they have this skill called Eye of the Dragon and you can actually tether <laughs> to another like physical DPS wow. and you can increase the amount of damage they do um so i have to remember really to keep well- covering you hmm? i was just gonna say like i i that reminds me i need to remember to cover more often <laughs> they die uh, I've, i just i keep forgetting to use cover as often as i should on the healers and damage dealers and stuff and i just i think i keep leaving them ha- uh, hanging them out to dry i'm sure you're doing fine you'll get the hang of it the more yeah. you play and the more you back into it so i also see that you've been playing uh elder scrolls yeah, uh, I'm going to be covering the Somerset Isle expansion, and 
December 2000, for those who don't remember, or at least are not familiar with the lore behind Elder Scrolls, is where the High Elves, the Alterum, I think they're called, uh, that's where they're from. And this is like, uh, in the storyline, it's like the Queen has like felt like, you know what, we need to open ourselves up to the outside world. Kind of like Japan and like centuries ago of like saying like, you know what, we need to open ourselves up to the outside world, let these people come in and start building up trade and uh, allowing a bit more of an expansion and allow uh, a, a more of an interaction with the outside world thing. It's pretty much just like Japan <laughs> back then. But uh, in this case, it's like uh, Somerset, uh, one of the main uh, focuses of the story is the Sigic Order, which uh, for those who played like Morrowind, uh, uh, I mean, the original Morrowind, not the... Um, uh, Elder Scrolls Online expansion, but Sigic Order, uh, they're like a monastic uh, group of mages that, uh, like, uh, they're above, like, instead of the Mages Guild, which is just a gathering of wizards and stuff, uh, uh, my, uh, Sigic Order is kind of high above that, they're holier than thou, like, taking the, kind of, we need to protect everyone in the world, and we need to be uh, bearers of all these powerful magic artifacts and stuff, uh, but yeah, it's like, we're trying to uh, take care of a lot of stuff that deals with a kind of it's a little weird. Uh, Somerset Isle, it has that, you know, the high elves of Elder Scrolls have always had that kind of racist, condescending attitude towards other, and they consider all the other lesser races and stuff. And the uh, Somerset Isle has taken that to, uh, I wouldn't say an extreme, but to its natural, like, kind of next step of, okay, anybody who's coming here, we're just going to either ship them back or uh, put them in cages in our basements and not tell anybody about what's going on because we don't want these newcomers coming here and screwing up our beautiful island. And that's pretty much what I've been going through so far in that game. Sounds uh, interesting. Like, I'll have a lot uh, to offer in terms of, like, discussion and think pieces. It kind of reminds me of the Heaven's Ward expansion for 14, when you put it that way. Yeah, it's like, it's... It's already like the Elder Scrolls. I'm sure High Elves and Altmer, uh, the Altmer, have already kind of brought that idea of racism in between, like uh, fancy, like just the elves are holier than thou. We're better than all of you. Why can't you be as perfect as us? Oh, you're just lizards and cats, as they say about the like uh, the other races. They just they don't really care enough to like learn their names and like we don't care about you. Go away. Uh, get off our island. <laughs> and that's just taken to like uh, almost everyone you meet on that island is like that. And there's a few notable exceptions, and those like notable exceptions turn out to be your allies. So it's like you against the world kind of thing. So that's oh, what so I'm doing. It's very like. It's really easy to see, or like, uh, it's not hiding the yeah. fact that it's it's yeah. not like trying to be like this undercurrent of racism. No, they're telling you right off the bat when you start off that, uh, oh, this outsider comes here, like, oh, we don't want you here, get out. It's oh, no, I, I meant, I meant like in relation to like the NPCs that become your friends, like, oh, this guy's clearly treating me well, so he's going to become like an ally, like later on. Oh, like, well, in most yeah, of the cases, it is because everyone else is pretty much a jackass to you that. It, like one of the first characters you meet is actually called the eye of like the queen's eye is uh what's the name of the cat race in elder scrolls the khajiit, khajiit? yeah, yeah. yeah. Khajiit. uh he uh, he's i forget his name exactly it's like uh ramza razma razma i think it is and he's like the eye of the queen uh he's like the right hand like i'm gonna go look uh put the deal out your uh orders and make sure that everyone's following your law and that's like he's here to make sure that everything's going fine after the queen issued that open declaration about opening the island to everyone. 
And um, he's like one of the first allies you get. And what you're pretty much doing is like kind of sharing information between you. Like, I'm going to go uh, investigate this while you go do this. And we'll come, we'll meet back later and talk about it. And it, or like, uh, I need you to uh, uh, go into this dungeon and find out what's happening. And I'm going to go and find this person, that kind of thing. And it's, it's like all that kind of like intrigue of like, trying to make sure that everything's going fine. And if it doesn't, then uh, heads are going to roll kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, I think uh, I haven't played enough of it to get a firm grasp of all the characters to feel like uh, which ones are telling the whole story or anything. But as far as I got, I think the story still holds up. Like uh, I haven't experienced as much of the story of the previous uh, iterations, the expansions in space game, as much as I'd like to, but so far I think that it's, um, I think the characters have like kind of shown out in front of the kind of, well, I wouldn't say lazy storytelling, but uh, kind of a natural storytelling of like old racist elves being racist. Yeah. Like these sort of like lazy, like real life parallels that actually trying to address it. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what I'm dealing with right now. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I've always seen from the Edel School series, that they try to address those types of between-race issues like that. So yeah, you, you're, you're middle playing Somerset. Obviously, that's going to take a, a bit, because we don't just you know churn out a review for an MMO real quick. I know you yeah. did one for Black Desert Online. Uh, that took yeah. you about a month or so, so just to give people some idea. Yeah, and I also did Morrowind, of course. Yeah, and yeah. So to give you give, an idea of, like, I might not be able to show off everything that uh, that game can offer, but I'll give you enough of an idea that let you know that whether you should let, give it your time or whatnot. Yeah, and hey, check out Adam's Elder Schools more Elder Schools Online Morrowind review that we've already got up on the site if you want an idea of how that game plays. Uh, so, Kazuma, now that yeah we've moved from that subject, let's get back into another <laughs> sort of. Narration on society with Lisa oh, the Painful. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's yes. Crazy. Crazy game. Oh, yeah. So um, I've been playing Lisa the Painful more like I've just kind of started playing it again today. Um, and it was because I was watching a Let's Play of someone playing a different game. And I was like, mm, you know what? Maybe I'll go play like a game that, I don't know, had a more like profound or like uh, a better impact on me in terms of like its thematics and how it really nailed some of like its storytelling. So I decided to play Lisa again. And for anyone who doesn't know what Lisa the Painful is, it's an RPG maker RPG that was kickstarted in 2014, and it has it's like a post-apocalyptic world. And you play Brad, who's looking for the only girl left on the planet who he had like kind of raises his daughter, and she's gone, and you're trying to find her. And I won't spoil anything about this game. Um, I'll just tell people to play it. Like, it's really dark, and it deals with um, the theme of trauma and how it leaves its mark on people, which it does really well. Uh, And some of the dialogue in it's just really, really profound, I think. Um, Just in the subtleties of it, it's not, like, straight up, like, in your face. Like, you really have to kind of piece the stuff together and come to your own conclusion about it and how you feel about it. Um. But then you also have things like the Kicks for Christ dojo or like when you beat this enemy. And yeah, there's like really, really funny stuff in the game. Um, And the the music is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, it's really it's really fun. Um, 
in that way and the music is really great like i was listening to one of the tracks from the joyful today when my uh, boyfriend and i were going to the city and it's called uh 666 uh chop kill deluxe and it's really good but it's really weird yeah it had it has like air horns and stuff in it and it's it's really a lot but yeah i i don't want to talk too much about lisa because i'd rather encourage people to play it instead like if you yeah like if you if you want to experience a game that has some really fun interesting gameplay that's really based around status effects and has it's a really difficult combat system to master when you master it's really fulfilling and if you want a game that talks about again like the themes of trauma or abuse um in a way that i guess presents this like pretty honestly like i'd suggest go and play lisa because there's another game i want to talk about and it's moonlighter yes you've been covering that game uh for us, of course, uh, and I've, it looks awesome. Like I've seen a lot of screens for it before it came out, and I was already sort of impressed by it. But uh, tell me more about this game. Oh my god, the letter's so good. Okay, so um, when I saw the trailer, or when we posted the trailer, I was like, "Wow, I really want to play this game because it has this like old, like Ocarina of Time, yes. not Ocarina of Time, but um, Oracle of Season, Oracle of Ages type feeling. Yeah. Like what is it with this gameplay? Top down sprite, but also like it looks really. Sp- yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, uh, crap. What was the uh, Minish Cap a little bit too? Yeah, yeah, but it also has this great shopkeeping mechanic. So when you go into dungeons, you really have to plan ahead, like. I only have so much inventory space. How much are these items worth? Do I want to keep these items in my inventory before I go back to my town? Because you can't leave dungeons through the front door. Like, they close as soon as you enter them. And you have to pay money to get out of the dungeon. Or die. And dying makes you lose all your items except for the ones that you're holding. So you really, really... Yeah, yeah, it's a roguelite. Yeah, it's it's really good, though. Um, And the music is really great. Like, there may be... Like maybe like four or five original tracks, but all the variants of these tracks are just incredible in how they implement them with like each shopkeeper having their own unique version of the main town theme or how it changes when it shifts from like day to night cycle and everything. It's really fantastic. Um, and the gameplay is really smooth. I had maybe one like technical error where I had to like restart my game. It was, I was in a dungeon and a room spawned because all the, all the rooms in the dungeons were all randomly generated. And there was an enemy behind like a wall that I couldn't get to even with like a bow and arrow or a ranged weapon. So I had to leave the dungeon and come back. But like, other than that, like there were no major errors issues with the game. And it, it's like a really perfect length. It's like maybe nine to 10 hours and that's with grinding. And I did have to grind and upgrade my weapons and everything to make progress. I know some people are going to play and not do that, yeah. but I can't do that. Like that's just not, because oh, some of those bosses and just dungeons get really hard. Like, the difficulty of each dungeon scales as you get deeper in, and it's just, it's really fun. Oof, oof. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's to be expected from roguelike, obviously, because, yeah, the longer mm-hmm. you go with the, the stuff you have on you, mm-hmm. uh, the more risky it becomes. But that makes, like, the rewards so much greater, not just in terms of actual rewards, but, you know, just the satisfaction from beating it. And so, like, I saw, mm-hmm. I, I've been watching some playthroughs of that game, uh, some footage of that game, uh, and it just looks brilliant. Like I, I, we were talking earlier, of course, about Breath of Fire Four, about how smooth it looks. Moonlighter kind of scratches that same itch, you know. Like if we have to look at the mm-hmm. indie community to deliver a game like that, Moonlighter looks like it's kind of doing a lot of that stuff. Oh, absolutely! And just the weight behind all of the movement with like its pixel sprites and everything is is amazing. Like I really hope that you play this too because I really want to know what you think about it. If you do, <laughs> I, I like it's oh, oh, it's it's really good, and the story is really great too. 
Um, I don't want to talk about that too much because something people really need to experience for themselves. But you can discern information about the world through item descriptions. And I love I love it when games do that. So you have to piece everything together and kind of, again, come to your own conclusion. Um, and like when NPCs are coming to your town, you can talk to them and they'll be like, oh, wow, you're like a hero and everything, and like a merchant. And you kind of understand like what these things mean. Um like their separate definitions and what they entail because the hero and merchants are like two different groups of people that go into dungeons, but do completely different things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Like it's so fun. And again, I never felt like anything was unfair or that it was like maybe too challenging. And I even like streamed my um, entire playthrough except for the final dungeon. And it was no i i didn't break embargo but um... we were allowed to do that so that's great because i mean it it looks it looks cool i mean i've I've been checking out like i said some of the footage and i mean it's out in a few days people don't know it's out next tuesday i believe uh Mm -hmm. uh, on steam and yeah and like i like the shopkeeping stuff about it it just looks so neat i just i like it so much (laughs) it looks it's really fun yeah, like, definitely let me know how you like it when you pick it up. Absolutely. I, I definitely will be picking it up just because I, I, I've been needing another game just because, uh, obviously, like Adam was talking about, uh, Vitaly, uh, that there's a bit of a lull. I know that once we get to E3, I'm sure there'll be, like, plenty of games I do want to play because, especially when I hit up Indiecade, there's always some cool stuff that's sometimes just already out for people to b- play or demos. But Moonlight are definitely another one of those games that I'm curious about. So uh, It's always kind of... Interesting. Like Moonlighter was kickstarted a couple of years ago. Um, let me let me see what year it was. I can look this up. Real it quick. was a uh, twenty sixteen. Uh, two thousand sixteen. So not yeah. not super old. But like I had, I think, I think I remember like kind of hearing about the Kickstarter back then, but I had forgotten about it until earlier this year when I just see like a trailer for the game and just like, whoa, what is this? Uh, and I didn't even realize uh, when I when I saw it this year, I didn't remember or realize that it was a Kickstarter game. Um, and it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. But I, I, I'm really eager to try it, too. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of funny because it's actually a uh, it was one of those Square Enix collect Square Enix collective oh, that's, games. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, because Square Square we actually, yeah, we posted about it. Uh, I don't think it was on the site, but I do remember tweeting about it back then. And even then it looked pretty good. Uh, a lot of the footage that people see nowadays, it's a lot of it's from 2017. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how much it's grown. I mean, I've looked at some of the other people's uh, other sites playthroughs, but you know, like actually getting hands on would be pretty neat. Uh, I'm trying to remember, like there was another like, I'm not, I'm actually not going to get into it because I feel like we kind of uh, spin off topic a little too much here. But yeah, uh, it seems like you're you're already pretty much done with the game then. No, I completely finished it. Like I was done like i can't wait to start another playthrough of this once i have the opportunity like oh it's a good game it's excellent i'm looking forward to when you find it oh okay i was gonna say the other game i was thinking of midora was the other game that was like minish cap inspired but i think that game got canceled sadly it was another one of those amazing zelda games that i think the person ran into some severe financial troubles and the development mm-hmm. of it, and they had to deal with a lot of refunds and things like that. There's, you can uh, people can look it up. I think there's been some great coverage. I think like uh, Zelda Dungeon, I think covered something on it. But there was like uh, uh, that was one of those games that looked brilliant. It has the same sort of art style that Moonlighter does, but it was trying to like once again try to kick that same art style to it. But this will be the one that you know more games that look like Game Boy Advance titles, the better. You know, it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. That was probably my favorite system of all time. So uh, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about it. 
So I'm going to take this opportunity to to yeah. declare that Oracle of Ages and Seasons are the best Zelda games. Period. Yes, yes, I agree. You're my best friend now. You're my Minish, best friend. And Minish now. Cap is close. Minish Cap is yes! my favorite. Those Capcom yeah. games, yes. Zelda games, are really really good. Talk about Breath of mm-hmm. Fire. It's another Capcom game. Yes. They just really back then, like 2000s there. You know, they were like early 2000s. They were really nailing it. You know, with with that style. So, my gosh. I would love for them to make more games like that, you know, just, just to see. Not a mobile game, just, you know, straight up the style, because we don't talk about that other Breath of Fire game. So outside of this, though, uh, is there anything on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Kinseed, actually, Ooh. because I like farming sims, and this has a dungeon and a farming-like aspect, because when I'm not talking about games involving Japanese crime syndicates, I'm playing farming sims. I totally forgot about that game. That's... Is that is that game out? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, don't at least not that. yet. Okay. So that's what I'm looking forward to most. Awesome. I'm look. Uh, uh, tell me more about these games because you seem to be really on the pulse of this stuff, and I'm. I would love to hear like other games that are like this that you're looking out for because I, I need more games like this in my life too. Uh, outside of that, for me, not a lot. After I've finished up my reviews for the season, there's not been a whole lot on my plate. Uh, I did spend a lot of this these past few days trying to get my old Parasite Eve 2 playthrough up on our YouTube channel because uh, around New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, this was back when I was doing a lot of the 24-hour marathons for the site. And so I, I played through all of like uh, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, the original, uh, and another one was Parasite Eve 1 and 2, which I tried to play back-to-back, which wasn't a great idea because uh, I remember like beating one, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and so I decided to sleep on it. Came back. Uh, later that day and tried to play through two and got stuck on the last boss and finally was able to beat it. So I was looking, I was driving home uh, Thursday and I was like, my mind I was like, you know what? The only problem that I had with it, the only reason it was not out on YouTube is because the audio was desynced. But it wasn't just like the game audio; it was also my mic. Like the whole like audio track was desynced. I'm like, you know what? Why am I waiting so long to put that up? All I need to do is like adjust the tracks and it'd be perfect. It's not like I had a multi-track recording or something. Problem is. And this is the problem with Twitch overall. People who haven't been following, we were streaming back around the Justin TV days as well. At least I was, and I think some of those videos might have been from them. From then, uh, it's that uh, there's been some real issues with Twitch over the years. I mean, that's kind of a given. But there's been cases where people have lost entire vods, uh, uh, like they deleted them by accident, and there's no way to recover them. In my case, I was missing about an hour or two of footage it was completely black screen and that definitely wasn't the case during the stream of course i would have noticed that right away uh so i had to take another playthrough splice in the footage to get it to work re uh or like uh, reorder the the, uh, the tracks to make them sync up it was me just staring at like tiny little pixels of audio tracks because it was like okay i need to look at a uh, me opening like the character or the shop menu and try to line up the times that the button goes through the menu to try to line everything up but i think i got it in sync uh just fine and so all that all seven parts uh, are up on our youtube channel i already put up the original parasite playthrough um months ago months ago so people want to check those two playthroughs up those are up i also finally got through magic knight rare earth like i said i would uh my entire playthrough is up there like i was trying to do like this little weekly thing because i was making them look kind of episodic and i would like edit it together in a format where i was like here's the uh, opening to the game uh like it was shown in, in on the saturn uh but i used uh 
someone else actually took the English track. So what happened, I think I talked about this before, is that um, Working Designs, speaking of Working Designs, they localized Magic Knight Rare Earth for the Saturn, which is the game I played through. They did not get the rights to the Japanese vocal version of it. They got the rights to the song, but not the vocals, which is... Don't ask me anything about how licensing works, because that just seems crazy that they're localizing the game. You'd think they would give them all the you know support that they would need to bring all of it over. Uh, that's just how it went. So they, they at least got the music, which is the exact same music that plays in the actual anime itself, which I watched through like uh, late last year. Um, so they took the uh, the English vocals the track, put it on the uh, Japanese uh, r- the music, but the HD version of Magic Knight Rare Earth, the Blu-ray version, synced that together, and so I used that. Then I put in uh, the Last Time, which was actually you can look in the game itself. There's like a diary you can go through that are fully voiced in English, um, and so I kind of cycled through those, edited those down uh, to fit in with each. Uh, episode uh playthrough that i was doing like in like hour like they're like 30 minute chunks at some point put that in created a title card put that in put the playthrough and then put the ending of the anime at the very end of it so it was like this episode that i had this fully planned out at the beginning that i thought would be really cool but after a while uh i, I still followed through with it but after a while it's just like Going week to week, I kind of like lost track, especially with the computer troubles that I had a couple months ago, and so I just kind of dumped them all out. So they're all up on our YouTube now. People can go check those out. I'm really proud of it. Uh, so be sure to see that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of been most of my focus. I would I am doing the Parasite Eve two playthrough reminded me how much fun I had streaming, and so I would love to get back to doing that sometime soon. I might be doing something like that, perhaps. Maybe for Kingdom Hearts, because Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out later this year, and it'd be nice to get a little refresher about how the story went, which is probably something that's going to be way over my head no matter what I do, even as a fan. It's kind of hard to keep anything uh, straight. But I would have, you played, hmm? have you played, first of all, on the streaming comment, I would be a terrible streamer. Like, <laughs> oh, when I'm, when I'm pl- no, when I'm playing a game, like I'm, like, I'm pretty sporadic, where, like, I'll play it for, like, 20 minutes, and then I'll, like you know, check something or do something else for 10 minutes and then I'll come back. And that's uh, kind of the difficult. Then I'll maybe, maybe if I see something, I'm like, I wonder how this works. I'll look it up online or whatever. It's just like, if I'm streaming, like I feel like I'm, I can't do any of that. You say but that, also, but you get through entire series within like a week. So you play a lot at the same time between each span. So that's also the case. That is true. Um, but but Kingdom Hearts, uh, just curious, have you played Dream Drop Distance? No, I've actually, so I, Played through one. That's the 3DS one, and it was it's, it's on PS4 and PS3 as well. Yeah, or, yeah. They, they they brought PS4, that over. not PS3. Yeah, on on the two point. It's uh, on two point eight. Two point eight. Two point eight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got that. So I, I played through two. I reviewed Birth by Sleep for the site on the PSP back when it came out. But no, I've not played uh, 3D as a word. Okay, so in terms of you were talking about like story being over your head, yeah, uh, like I heard that I heard you're gonna say. <laughs> so basically, very short. Kingdom Hearts 2 is when it just kind of went total stupid. Oh, I, Birthless... I love the story of that game, but that's just me. <laughs> well, okay, partially stupid. Went, Birth by, way, Birth by yeah. Sleep, I kind of feel like 90% of Birth by Sleep is like digestible. There's parts of it that are weird, but it's just like, okay, this, this, I, I think I get it. Yeah. And then Dream yeah. Drop Distance just like 
throws everything into the toilet and like they just, retcon a lot. I heard. Good luck understanding what's going on here. You know, it was it was funny because <laughs> I think like uh, made the comment. Uh, Alex said like you know how convoluted Kingdom Hearts story was, and I was like, no, let me tell you a little about these people that were living on this island. And then I put in parentheses one out of two thousand three hundred forty-seven. Like it was going through a bunch of tweets <laughs> to, to explain the story. That's how it's complete. As someone, even if it is me who loves Kingdom Hearts. Um, it's it's really hard to defend that story, especially like I mentioned, they retcon stuff or they try to like input things to get some a hidden meaning. Clearly, it felt like you know, obviously Tetsuo Nomura thought that the story would like the third one would come out a lot sooner, and but they wanted all these portable versions, so he just injected it wherever he could. It's kind of like the uh, Zelda yeah. timeline or something like that. It's like really hard to explain it, even if you try to organize it. It's still bizarre i mean you can technically do it because there's not as many zelda games as many kingdom hearts games as zelda games of course but like even then even if you don't go different timelines and shit like that it's still way over anyone's head i if they ever released and also, like, a reference book it'd probably be like a, a like ten thousand pages long or something like that and also one thing that i really don't get as well so like i i made an effort to try to understand Kingdom Hearts in terms of like at least if I can understand parts of it and have some idea what's going on that's all like that's fine but then like the PS4 games they added like the movie so there's this Birth by Sleep was supposed to be Birth by Sleep was supposed to be like like the origin story like the beginning point of this like story timeline it's a prequel but then they decided to like prequel that and like there's there's this like mobile game movie type thing that comes like before any of that and like i i i I watched it and like i don't like i sort of like okay stuff happened but is this important like why is this here like is this gonna matter later like it's just i don't get why they did this anyway yeah it's supposed to 0.2 is if if that's what you're referring to i know that's supposed to be like an epilogue of sorts no not not the not the aqua story it's like the actual like yeah it's the mobile game story it's kingdom hearts ux yeah yeah like oh okay yeah no that's Oh, I think from everything they've said, I think you can kind of ignore that. <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. no, 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 because the guy in that at the end is really important. Apparently, oh, that's, I'm yeah. sorry, I, I remember has, about that. To get into specifics, it has I think something to do with Xehanort and his like magical keyblade or something. Yeah, yeah like, because like he's like, I'm gonna send my eye somewhere, and I'm like, <sighs> okay. So is that the actual what? like that's supposed to be like the cutscene before Kingdom Hearts Three is going to be this mobile game like this the end story? Oh my gosh, uh, the unchanged. No, 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 this is before Birth by Sleep. That's, and okay, so it's oh, it's, right. it's, like it's the UX. original yeah. answer. Okay, Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. it's UX, Birth by Sleep, and then from there it goes on in the other order. And... Op- no, you gotta go 0.2 because that's the epilogue oh to Birth by Sleep. Yeah. To one, to fucking Chain need... of Memories. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like having uh, you play Beyond Crisis, a uh, story of each Final Fantasy. A subsequent one. It's like just that Bion Crisis one is the one that has like you playing as a Turk on a mobile game. Oh, yeah, like back on your cell phone back then. I actually played that because I had a yeah. Japanese cell phone. I watched an English play, uh, a translated playthrough of that, and I was like, yeah, I can see why people wouldn't want to play this because it was like repetitive as all hell. I mean, I, I, I played some of it, uh, couldn't really get into it that much, but yeah, it. Some of the same reason. It's like Balti needs to come out instead of doing his Dark Souls videos. He needs to do a Kingdom Hearts explanation video because, like, those are the ones that are really going to be able to explain, uh, help us catch up to it. Because I think, like, even if I do play through those games, there's obviously going to be little things I'm not going to pick up on. 
because uh, I'm going to try to you know do a little bit of crunch time on it. Cry hearts. Difficult. It's going to be so difficult. Uh, but I, I still would like to play them, even if it's just for the gameplay alone, just because I remember having such great times with, especially two. I loved I loved two so much, especially the ending to that game, uh, the the final battle. So I would love to go back and play it. And I once again, I've not played Dream Drop Distance, so I would like to do that as well. So just at least you know try to catch up. Yeah. And I could do something with that. But let's. Um, and other than that, it's preparing for E3. And actually, there's other things that we could be talking about, which is the why we're going to go into the news. Because Gazima, big reason why you're here, and I'm glad you are, is because in the past week, not only uh, are we getting Yakuza Kwame 2, uh, obviously it's already out in Japan, but we're getting it in America in August. But Sega also, in a stream, revealed that they are remastering, not Kwame-ing, uh, but remastering Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 for the PS4. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that, though. Okay, well, they're remastering Yakuza 3, 4, and 5. (laughs) Yeah, um, uh, Yakuza 3 remaster, and they're just calling it Yakuza 3. Yeah. Uh, They're not calling it Kiwami, so it's not going to have the same treatment as the other games. There's no Dragon Engine, no Kiwami Engine, no nothing. Um, It'll be released in Japan, or at least to East Asian audiences. It'll probably include, like, Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong, and Korea. Um on August the 9th, and that's around when Kiwami 2 releases. A couple weeks in... before it? Jeez. Yeah, so, and I'm going to be like, I'm going to have both, okay? So, like, You'll be covering great. both, I'm sure, too, yeah. Oh, bo- oh boy. <laughs> Maybe not um, covering three. I mean, just like, you'd probably be the person we go to for Kiwami 2. But yeah, just because you've played, yeah. already played the Japanese version of Kiwami 2, so you know what to expect in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and there hasn't been uh, much news about Yakuza 4 and Yakuza 5 in terms of what they're going to be doing for, like, the uh, HD. No. For Yakuza 3, they actually confirmed that the voice actor for Mine uh, is still voicing that character, despite him having like retired for a bit, taking a break because he was diagnosed with lung cancer. Yeah, I heard about that. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh god. Like that. I was. Oh my god. That was like so stressful. I was like, please, please, he needs to be in this, or it's not Mine. Like, I'll be really upset if this is like if this isn't the same voice actor. But um, he's still in it, and they added two new hostesses, and they're actually like again like they're real like japanese like idols and everything yeah they interview them sometimes um, too i heard like they're trying to get like they're like it's weird in japan they like announce it like a big thing whenever they bring in hostesses i remember they doing that like i think it was like for five that there was like this big reveal about who the hostesses were because they're like celebrities mm-hmm. basically being in their game oh yeah absolutely so uh, the new girls are kana and yui and i actually retweeted um an image that kana had posted on her twitter where she was like, hey, like, I'm, uh, I was at the studio, and, like, her and her hostess outfit and everything with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Yui. So, um, like, they're really excited to be part of it. But there really isn't any new info of, like, what's being changed for the Japanese version, because, like, nothing is. Yeah. We can only hope that when it gets localized, like, and I'm going to assume yeah. it get localized, because there's a huge demand for Yakuza in the West, finally, that they're not going to cut out any of the content anymore. Yeah, here's hoping if they don't try to, like, make it, like, one-to-one by purposely removing that content as well, just to make it so we get the same version. No, I don't think they will this time around, Um, just mm-hmm. because, like, uh, Western audiences are more aware that, like, this isn't Japanese GTA and these hostesses aren't escorts, which was kind of the problem that they thought they thought that people would assume that these would be escorts and this could be like someone's reputation in Japan. Like if this they didn't have that problem with Yakuza too for some reason, well, but they did with the three. I mean, it's it's funny because I've I've told the story before, but like I was at a three when Yakuza, I believe it was three, was coming out, or I, I think it was either it had just come out. 
yeah, I think it was just it had just come out, and I was playing it, and he was telling me about how that they had removed that content, and he the rep was like he kind of knew there'd be some backlash because even back then, I mean that that'd still be a thing, even if we're we're talking about Yakuza three, like it wasn't that long ago, it was like a you know, yeah, it's like two thousand nine, yeah, two thousand nine, two thousand actually in yeah. America's two thousand ten, so it was it was kind oh, of like okay. wasn't that long ago. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, because uh, Yakuza Two came out like in what oh eight oh nine and in, in the West, so it was even then it was wow. like super late. Yeah, we got it really late compared to yeah, you guys get everything really late. Yeah, wow. like, well, if you think about it, it was like really drip feeding us. Uh, no one thought that after Two did so poorly because it was like I think it was like two thousand six when it came. Uh, it was when that came out in Japan, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, Final like, Fantasy uh, twelve, like ten months after. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the same effort. It was like. Uh, they didn't think anyone would be interested because it was a, a PS2 game, and they were right because it didn't sell that well at all. And so uh, they it didn't feel like they would have any reason to localize Yakuza series after that. But then the demand started to grow and grow, and you know, got on them for finally being able, willing to do it. But then, like I said, by the rep, it's like they brought three over, but they cut the content out. And you know, the people that are going to buy this game are those diehard fans uh that know mm-hmm. when something's missing even uh you know right now it's like they're aware that it's not a japanese gta but like obviously the people back then buying those games weren't stupid uh they would know if stuff like that was missing like the hostess content and there were other mm-hmm. things as well like i think they cut out areas as well uh so they if, if yeah right there with you it's that if they're going to bring this over they better do it right and be sure that it includes everything Oh, absolutely. That's really important. I'm wondering what they're going to do with Yakuza 4 because yeah. um, Tanimura, like, his voice actor, like, and his actor got caught with cocaine. Yeah. So, like, that was a huge scandal. And, like, even Japanese people, like, under the announcement, they were like, so what are you guys going to do about Tanimura? Yes. Because, like, <laughs> like, like, you can't, like, uh, I guess go forward with this. Like, everyone kind of wants to know what they're going to be doing with it just because this which, guy has, like, a really better Which position. character was that? He's the detective. Uh, oh, the, the cop? The, the, uh, yeah, the young detective. So the, the dirty cop became the actual dirty co- guy. Oh, go figure. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Unless they like, use the old audio and try to clean it up, they must. Wait, I, lo- I lost, uh, or I wasn't, uh, just to make sure here, they're, they're actually revoicing the lines in these remasters? Um, well, apparently quality, so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, apparently uh-huh. so, because um, they, like, they they had some sort of like discussion about this about uh, Mine's voice actor in particular, and they even yeah. like listed his voice actor like on the thing and everything. Like I, I'm not a hundred percent on it, but from the information I've read, I'm gonna assume. Um, mm. just because again, like it was an announcement that like he would still be like the character or something like that. So. It wasn't anything I felt I should like add to our news post because it just seems kind of normal that he would still be voicing the character in some regard, I guess. But um, it's good for, for our voice actor to be caught with cocaine. Oh, yes. well, it's because he's actually uh, the, <laughs> the actor for Tony Moore was really, really famous just for acting, being in J dramas. Um, he was like a heart like, throb and everything. He looked like the kind of guy that'd be in that. <laughs> yeah, like uh, he was. Yeah, he was a lot of J dramas and everything, and he was very popular because. Uh, for Yakuza, they cast a lot of really uh, famous people. Like uh, Mine's voice actor, he doesn't do a lot of voice acting, but he's actually a really uh, popular kabuki actor in Japan. And that's how people kind of knew him. So, like, you know, just like fun tidbits about all the people who voice these characters, I guess. Um... I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, tell me if I'm, I mean, does Reina show up in anything else besides Kwame and Zero? 
No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. All right. Cause I, uh, yeah. Well, because because you know why, right? Like, I'd hope you know why she doesn't. No, I, I mean, obviously, she she passed away recently. I was I was yeah. wondering if she was, like, a, a character from the past. Like, for me, I beat one and uh, back then, and I played only a little bit of two, and then I mm-hmm. reviewed five. That's my only real experience with the Yakuza series. That's why I'm asking. So. Oh, okay. Uh, mm, no, her character doesn't come back. And they usually only have, like, one, like, voice actor for, like, a really major character. And if they spend a lot of money on, like, said character, like, I'll use, like, um, like, Sagawa and Nishitani, for example. Like, those are, like, Sagawa's voice actor is really famous for doing, like, political films. Oh, uh, he's very so well known. Penny on that stuff, so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's very, like, Riki Takayuchi is, oh my god, like, Riki Takayuchi is, like, such a big deal. Like, I have line stickers of Riki Takayuchi that I use all the time. Um, <laughs> so, like, um, he's super famous as well. Like, uh, uh, Kuze, Shibusawa, like, they're all really, really famous guys. So they all have, like, cost a, a lot of money. like this, that's, like, in, in one game, and that's, I mean, that's clear to see why it's such a huge series in Japan, and we're, you know, over here in America. It's, we, it's, it's good that, um, you know, they're keeping, uh, even if it's it's kind of, you know, a bother to some people that it's not dubbed that they're keeping it in japanese that they're still able to like secure the licensing it's it's bizarre because like if you look at it uh sega bringing over games that are keeping the japanese voices and then you look at what Al- uh, the trouble that alice has had with some of that stuff it's always crazy i mean obviously it's better recently but like you know when you're talking about being able to secure licensing contracts and things like that in in america they're always talking about how expensive it is, but it's clear that Sega might do what, like I think Koei Tecmo does and Idea Factory does, is that they secure the license at the very beginning. That if they ever do localize it, that they it's like one solid contract. It's not like they have to pay extra for that because I'm sure it'd be ludicrously ludicrously expensive for that stuff. Oh, absolutely, it'd be really really expensive for that, oh. especially with some of these actors that they've put in it, like. Be Takeshi, like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's why you're the highest paid person, yeah, because of six at that point, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next to, um, oh god, it was the guy, uh, uh, Soumaya, so oh, no, yeah. Soumaya, his actor is really, really popular. Like, he's in the Gintama movie and everything, and he's just like a really, really well known, like, actor. Um, so I imagine he was pretty expensive, and Yuta's uh, actor as well. Like they're all very well known, like I, people in Japan. I don't think Takashi Kaneshiro would be in Yakuza. I don't think he's ever been in Yakuza before. For some reason, like my mind went to him, but that's that's. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Takumi's Someya's character is voiced by Shun Oguri. Yeah, I love him. He's really good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot, but they put out a trailer for three, but it was kind of nothing. It was like a very basic. It's it, it's, it's pretty it's much really, like the same looking. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's the same trailer. It's very close to the original trailer they actually had yeah. for Yakuza Three when it uh, released. It even has like the same song, and I'm really happy that they kept that in. I, they we're definitely not going to get it <laughs> for um for the North American version because they just never like getting the licensing for the songs is harder than getting licensing for the actors or the voiceover, I suppose, because like. North America and Europe never get the songs, except no. for Yakuza Two and Yakuza One. The originals actually had "Receive You" and Yakuza One, and Two had those crazy Ken band songs, and those were so good. Didn't uh, Yakuza Kwame Two had like they hired like a rock band to do a bunch of music for it, and that might not S I M. Yeah, no, S I M is in the Japanese version. Yeah, like, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, and, and they probably 
I don't know if they'll bring that over when they localize it. I wonder if they'll keep the music. It, it wasn't. It wasn't in the trailer. Yeah, and they literally I mean. just. Yeah, yeah. No, they actually use like the exact same footage for uh, the Kiwami Two North American European announcement as they did for I think the trailer they had Original. that was playing. Yeah, playing during like uh, their announcement event, and there was no no trace of like. Japanese screamo. So I think that, I some think people, people prefer really that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, A isn't a terrible song. It's just they played it at like the worst time, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Like it completely ruined like the end of the game. Oh, oh! At the end, they played it at the end. I would yeah, no, they they, they play it when like Kiryu and Kaoru are like having their moment, and then there's just like this guitar. <sighs> like, yeah, like, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's really happening right now. Yeah. It's just like turn to the guy and say, "Can you just be quiet turn for a second? Volume, or turn, we're to have a moment down. here. <laughs> turn on the radio. <laughs> yeah, just come on. That's the worst. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see what they'll do. I mean, I would hope that it's more than just one to one, but I guess we'll find out. Because that's what the the beauty of Kiwami is that, except for two, I guess. Uh, you talked about it before that there was some they removed some content, but like the original Yakuza one Kiwami, you know, they added some stuff, and so it'd be nice if they'd still kept some of that. Uh, they decided to do some. Maybe quality of life improvements on the remaster. You would hope. Oh, well, they they just added in uh, the truth of Majima Goro. Oh, okay. And okay. that's what everyone, yeah, like because everyone loves Majima. Like oh, everyone loves him. It's gonna be because his role has expanded dramatically since before. It's like <laughs> it's like almost a nothing character before. Now he's like the biggest thing in those. Games. He was like weird, ugly eye patch guy, yeah. and now he, now he's like everyone's like, oh, I love him, and I'm like, yeah, cool, I guess. He's like yeah. this, this slapstick comedy character that's always here. I love it. I, I mean, he's it. I mean, he's always been slapstick comedy. Like in yeah, Yakuza yeah. Three with like the pink the pink dumpster truck, like yeah. that was it. I was like, yeah, I love this guy. He's good, <laughs> but truck, um, that part. Yeah, that's I, I think oh, I saw that yeah. in the trailer too. Oh my god, that's really yeah, stupid. yeah. Hopefully, we'll hear about we'll hear about like localization news, but that seems way too soon, of course, because not even Kwame Two comes out. It's like we're always like six, eight. 10 months after the Japanese release, but hopefully we'll get something soon about that because that'd be really cool. And obviously they're not planning on bringing Ishin uh, over as well, you know. No, they, they were talking about that in like an interview, actually. I think it was with uh, Sato, actually, at the oh. Yakuza Kiwami 2 event. Um, it was an interview with someone from like uh, Holly, Holly, I think. Alex knows her. And Holly, yeah. um, I know her. And, uh, yeah, I think she actually asked about Kenzan and Ishii, and they were like, well, like, it's a lot to kind of try and localize. Like, there are some things that just, like, can't be localized properly. Very culturally and, like, centric. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Japanese things are dealing with, like, uh, like, oh, well, what does this monument mean? Like, like you'd have to know the significance of that monument, or why are these people, like, just attacking people on the side of the roads? So oh, we have to explain every single little thing that you'd have to know. A little flavor text yeah. every, every yeah, like, yeah. This is why this happened. Like, this is why this happened. Oh, no, because no, no, even, even in Ishin, like, when you're playing this in Japanese, like, there are, like, moments you can press the, um, it's the options button, right? And then they'll explain the significance of events. I think I saw that in the demo. This. I wanted yeah. to know what that, was, what that was about. Okay. No. Yeah, no, that's, like, explaining stuff. Um, I think... That's okay, like Super so like, Robot Wars kind of thing, where they yeah, like. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, who's this guy from the Shinsen Gumi? Here's his entire family history and his like. Oh God, that's a, a lot career. of organization work. Yeah. So that'd probably be the bigger thing. It's, it's, a it's like Assassin's work. Creed Codex thing. Like yeah. A lot of people for like not who might not be as interested because it doesn't fit into sort of that modern lifestyle that they're. I mean the the the. the it, it'd obviously have a much smaller audience. It'd be very. Uh, 
you know, very super niche at that point. Like, it'd be really hard to sell yeah. that to the West as much as, say, like uh, a game that takes place in modern day. So I totally, I totally get that. But it would be cool. If I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's to me, in my opinion, um, it's definitely one of the best Yakuza games. I've heard great things like, it's about really, it. It's really good. Uh, the only like huge problem I have with it is that it's like. <laughs> It's really like pro imperialist at the end, and it's just like straight up like almost propaganda, and like that's the only issue. Like I would assume that'd be an issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying to like glorify. Uh, sorry, glorify. Uh, glorify uh, Hajime Saito. So like. Okay, that's not the person that. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, he he's the main character. Like that's who Kiryu is. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He, what? Yeah, and then like yeah, and then uh, Majima is Shinpachi. No, no, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Saijima Shinpachi, and Majima's uh, Okita, and Mine's, um, oh my god, I'm, like, forgetting all the musicians in Gumi right now, um, Mine is Hijikata, so you have, like, all these, like, pro-imperialist Shinsengumi figures, and you're the good guys, like, that's the thing, right? Oh, I don't, and, I wonder yeah. why they didn't get, like, more controversial <laughs> when it was coming out, just tease. <laughs> you, you know... We can talk about that after the podcast. Yeah, it's a little too much uh, for this podcast, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I assume I, I figured that's the case. I mean, obviously, people in the West wouldn't really get that stuff unless they knew about their Japanese history. But at the same time, that seemed like that would be really hard for them to even like really reproach again. So I'm sure there's some parallels we can draw between that, like just the kind of whitewashing history. It yeah, seems to be a thing in Japan. There's a lot of bad, like American side of stuff too. Yeah, too, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there is plenty of instances where we've done the same thing. Like, oh, Billy Kid and Billy the Kid. It's like, mm-hmm. no, he killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, we just I, kind of. I will, uh, I will say one thing though: the um, American CIA agent from Yakuza Three is an Ishin, and he is an American, and he has the same shitty voice actor, and it's so good oh, when he shows up. Like, God. Like, or something like that, like terrible. No, no, he, it, no, it's like the Time Crisis announcer, right? Oh, like he's, old Shenmue <laughs> style, yeah. yeah well, House of like, the Dead G. You over there? What are you doing here? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so I, good. Um, Look, the, we just found somebody on the street. Okay, geez. That's the thing. Is like when they, they say they're bringing back the voice actors for. Shenmue 3 just speaking uh, speaking of which it's like it's not gonna be the same because they thought they were doing a good job <laughs> now it's really when they're leaning into it that's gonna make it way worse and so the fact that they kept the voice acting is still the same like maybe delivering the lines the same oh my gosh that's that's brilliant i love it i love it so much or he's not even trying to do it the same he's just oh do i do it better this time it's just it's as bad as before bad actor, no yeah. matter what he does that's a, that's crazy uh, but yeah, uh, we got the reports up on the site, of course, for the Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 coming to PS4. Uh, and as you said, early August for Yakuza 3, nothing for dates on 4 or 5, but I assume it won't be that much longer because it's not, obviously, as you said, uh, not as much effort going into it as the Kiwami games. Um, mm-hmm. Not to trivialize what they're doing, but that's just how it is. Uh, next big news, Adam Itali is back with us, I guess, because uh, we can talk about this, something more relevant to our, uh, your interests. Valkyrie Chronicles 4, they shared some new information about that. Well, honestly, they didn't... Not really um, new, but yeah. They didn't really share any new info other than that it has a special edition that comes with an art book and a tank thing. Um, 
and your opinion on that thing? Because that I'm kind of torn because I, it doesn't have the cool steel book as the original Valkyria Chronicles one did. But it's I mean my my general opinion is that limited editions are wastes of money and space. That's um, about what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I can hard agree with that. So like. I just, like I know some people who buy limited edition for every game they buy, and it's just like, what do you do with this stuff? Is Put it just it like you stack it up in boxes and what? Anyway, a, that is a waste. Uh, I agree with you on that. Um, but anyways, so like we don't have a release date still. They released a new trailer with English voices, and I think that was the first time. And I think it, they sounded pretty good. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's still. I mean, like uh, my only, like I said, I didn't play two and three. Of course, was only Japanese, but one had I thought really good voice acting, and this kind of fits in that same. Obviously, the reading, the reading, like very, like the writing's not natural sounding that much so it's like they're trying to read like these very like bombastic like over overblown like lines and stuff like that very yeah that's that's always the thing with edited trailers is that you have these lines that you know or they just kind of pick cherry pick lines from the story people from getting like taken over yeah it's it's really overblown but yeah i agree it's uh i think the voice acting's pretty good so far for all of them Mm -hmm. and but we still don't have a release date uh you know we didn't get any other information one thing we did learn is that um, the collector's edition does come with the uh, bonus DLC missions that include that involve the Squad Seven from the original game. Uh, that was the same in Japan, um, and that that DLC will be available. I think it says quote around launch um, separately for those who don't buy the collector's edition. So like that's just confirmation on that or that we are getting it, which wasn't really in question. I think, but you know, so. Not too much. In, I'm sure we'll get more info on Valkyria Chronicles 4 after E3. I know that they are demoing it there. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping for something like that. I was kind of hoping they would do that whole, like, let's focus on the, the important character, the person that was, like, voted popular, like, in Valkyria Chronicles 1. Like, they actually bring back Marina, but they're not, they're not going to do that. I'm sure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it. We're both going to get some hands-on time with it at E3, so it's going to be interesting. I... I know it didn't sell that well in Japan, uh, but apparently people still thought pretty well of it, and so I'm I'm very interested to see what it, what it will be like uh, when we we actually get to see it. And I'm very I'm still I don't know about you, but still very excited to play that game. Mm-hmm. Sure to check that out. Uh, the only thing I'm wondering about now is you know PC release. Yeah. Uh, uh, they might announce that at E3 for all we know, but maybe. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's it, that comes that brings up that thing again where this localization and basically this production side of things and the localization is done by Atlas USA Group, and that's not the same Sega that does PC porting. That's the Europe Group, so they have to, there has to be some communication here. Yeah, uh, how they're going to do this? So yeah. Uh, I would hope it's the same group doing that. But, you know, back when this Valkyria Chronicles 4 was first announced for localization, we've mentioned this a couple times, but an Atlas rep just say, stay tuned regarding a PC release because someone asked them on Twitter and they said that in, in reply. So, you know, it's it's it'd be really stupid if they don't do it because they made so much money off of Remastered on PC. Uh, it basically revived the series. So it'd be um, foolish for them not to do that. But, you know, and also it might be the best version of the game because <laughs> of how gorgeous that engine looks um especially when you blow it up uh to high resolution so hopefully we hear about that uh other piece of news we've got this is kind of a stacked i only put one thing here but there was, there was multiple announcements regarding this series 
Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4 will be coming out on September 27th. Now, we all knew, actually, this was going to be the date because back when this was first revealed, like, the for what the it was going to be out this fall in Japan when it was announced. That's when they always release it. Yeah, it's always mm-hmm. September. Last year for three, um, it was announced for September. Uh, it came out in September, at the end of September. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, a year apart from each other. As soon as they announced this, people were still asking, like, what about three? It's like, that came out last September. It's not been that long. And, you know, you and I... Being Charles Charles fans, it's like the the wait between Charles and Sky one and two was like a glacier pace. It was insane uh, how long it was. It was way longer than anyone had to wait for like a Lord of the Rings movie. It was kind of terrible at the time. So we're kind of used to this, but um, but also the context is that three was was it was supposed to be three and four was just one massive game, and the rumor was that uh, the people that were localizing the game for china uh took umbrage with the fact that it was such a massive game it'd be so much effort and so they made falcon basically split the game into two so this is actually something they were already kind of done with for the most part uh but they of course took the extra time that they needed to to sort of polish the game even further and so that's why we've got three coming out last september and four coming out this september in japan it's that they were kind of already doing that anyway so it's it's not a big deal for them uh, but that just means we're waiting even longer for two releases instead of just one. Uh, but yeah, you posted about the news also that uh, what Sony's doing for that. I didn't post that. Kite oh. did. Oh, Kite it's, did. Okay. Uh, but you know what it's, what's, what it's about. As far as I understand, Sony Interactive Entertainment, like the, the Japanese side of things, or I guess East Asia side, yeah. uh, they are localizing all of the PS4 games into Chinese and Korean now, I'm a little bit confused because I thought some of them were already in Korean. Um, oh. I might be thinking of another game. It might be Kai. Or, I mean, what, what was like Charles of Gold Steel was, was that stuff? But Hangul Korean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought Trails of Cold Steel, at least like the first game, was already in Korean. I don't, um, I don't know if I'm mistaking it with something else. But anyways, that's the news is that Sony is localizing the games. They basically had this you know agreement with Falcom as they're developing you know, the the fourth game here, to they, they released the first two games on PS4, um, and now they're bringing basically all of the PS4 titles to China, Korea, in those languages. So because yeah. they've got Trails of Cold Steel 1 Kai on PS4 that's already out in Japan. Trails of Cold Steel 2 Kai, which uh, is that? It's also oh. already out. Oh, okay, it's already out. I think it came out like very pretty recently. Yeah, they released only a few months apart, like. It was, it was like February and May or something. Yeah, like earlier this month. Yeah, that's right. I remember. <laughs> I think I remember making that news or reading about it. Anyway, but yeah, obviously three and four. So you've got basically the entire series uh, out or will soon be out on PS4, which is crazy, and that's cool because that just means that it's a lot easier for people to access it. Um, but pretty soon, hopefully, that'll mean the same for PC because we've already got the first two on there as well. But hopefully, yeah, we hear some news about that soon. And obviously, I'm sure there's a big. I would imagine there's like a bidding war for that for thir- for three right now because that would I would not be surprised if it's just back and forth between Exceed and Nice America at this point based on uh, the way things are. Uh, my fear is that if Exceed doesn't get three, it's beyond the localization. You know about how you know people fans would prefer if Exceed got it for obvious reasons. It's that my fear is that if Exceed doesn't get it, Nice America does. You might see a bit of an exodus at Exceed, you know, because that's kind of their big baby, and I don't know. It, it kind of feels like that's the way it is. I don't know, but uh, well, it's probably worth mentioning. I know we've we've talked about this topic a million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But the main localization editors who worked on Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 are no longer at Exceed. Yeah. Like, it was right. Nick Colucci, or Colucci, apologies if I mispronounced his name, and uh, who was the other guy? I can't think of the other guy. I can't think of his name either. I know, Chris, I know Chris Kaniga helped too, but I don't think he was a main editor. But uh, I know they no longer work there. I mean, yeah, they still have like Brittany who did Trails of In the Sky the Third, uh, and she's kind of an uh, uh, you know a Trails Kaseki, you know, a diehard on that stuff. Yeah, so she knows what she's talking about. But just, I just, I just wanted to mention that there's already been enough of a little bit of a staff change that it's worth considering that even if XC does get it, it's going to be different people working on it uh, than the other cold seal games. So. Uh, yeah. And, and that's the thing, unless they like contract another kind of, yeah, unless they go freelance or whatever. But, yeah. But and we're, and you know, we're forgetting about the fact that we still don't have Aono Kaseki or Zero no Kaseki either. You know, those are the, yes. the games that came between shells in the sky and shells of cold steel. Cause it's just a one big massive series. Um, we still haven't gotten those. I mean, it's potentially, there's potential there that you know if East America does get Cold Steel that they'll get Al and Zero, but who knows? I don't know what Falcom's opinion on Exceed is uh, anymore. It's kind of crazy because you think that they would have made it so much money with Cold Steel on PC one and two because I think that they're doing pretty well. Uh, but I guess we'll find out. Hopefully soon. It'd be nice to hear some news about this soon, maybe at Anime Expo or something <laughs> like that, at least to give something for fans to look forward to because right now there isn't really anything from Falcom for us to get excited about <laughs> if we're not going to get anything. So it'd be a, a big old pain. Uh, maybe actually potentially could get the Kai rights, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the last piece of news we've got here that maybe all of us can kind of weigh in on uh, is the fact that Sony revealed uh, during their financial reportings, uh, there was like this big Sony investors event that they held uh a week uh, earlier this week, uh, talking about their fiscal earnings for uh, that ended in March thirty first, twenty eighteen, uh, this year. That they said the PlayStation Four is entering the final phase of its life cycle. So clearly, that obviously raised a lot of alarms. Uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because the, game, the system's been out for uh, nearly five years, and so you know it's it's been a good while, but nothing that you would thinking that like what does a new console cycle really mean in terms of technical uh achievements because it's kind of everything's like photorealistic now so what else can you really achieve with that um but it, you also compare it to like i know adam you've got like a hell of a computer you kind of tell i mean both adams really <laughs> at this point yeah yeah uh adam and adam reese and vita you both got pretty chunky computers that can handle <laughs> a lot uh yeah. but you know, it's it's kind of clear that they are still trying to fight the PC. You know, in, in a sense, like it's kind of crazy because going back uh, just only a couple generations, consoles were doing a lot better than PC. Like they they looked better, they ran better, uh, they just had better games basically. And now it's it's kind of gone the other direction by a wide margin. So maybe they're figuring that uh, developers are demanding a lot more out of their consoles, and so. Eight gigs of RAM no longer cuts it for them, or something, and they want better graphics cards. They want better everything, and so it, there's a higher demand for this stuff. It's kind of hard because, like, I don't even know what Microsoft would be doing at this point because it seems like they're having way difficult time on consoles. Uh, Nintendo's doing their own damn thing, but you know, when people saw this news, they immediately thought that you know this means PlayStation Five is going to be announced at E3. But then the news came out later that. Uh, they have no plans to announce any hardware at E3, one. And two, 
that the next PlayStation is at least three years out. So that people... I I did see that they apparently there was some confusion on what they actually said. Like, did they say PlayStation Five is twenty twenty one? Some sites reported that, but apparently that's not quite what they said. Um, that it, but generally speaking, maybe they're like broader about it. Like it's it's a ways off. Maybe a, a yeah, two three years. They did not say twenty twenty one. Um, like that year was not actually mentioned by John Cadera, who is the new CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. Um, basically, the way I gather this is, you know, the PS5 has been out for five years now, or almost five years. PS4, yeah. Or PS4, PS4 for five years, okay. And um, when you're talking about the revenue finance side of things, they can't expect PS4 to continue bringing in revenue and sales to, at the same rate as they have been over the last three years. You know, you get to the point where you can't keep selling it indefinitely it's peaks, uh, basically at this point yeah um so that's when they say end of cycle they, they that's what i believe that's what they're referring to is they're getting into those years where okay in terms of our revenue we cannot rely on playstation 5 or 4 sales to continue at the rate they are and so now they are getting to the point where they have to consider years in the future when the ps5 does come out uh, the planning of that, the development of that, and the eventual release of that. So when they say this is like the final, like the final phase, it is a phase. You know, it's going to take some time for uh, for it to happen. I think, like I think, 2019 might be the earliest I would see a PS5. That, that's that'd be a year from now, roughly. Um, At least they start saying uh, dev kits. Yeah, but 2020 seems like that'd be seven years on the market for the PS4. That seems, you know, that's about the same length as the last generation well, pretty much for PS3. Yeah, 2006, 2013, yeah. So yeah, kind of- yeah, so that'd be, I think 2020 makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, when they say like, I just, I just think people kind of freak out a bit when they say like end of life. It's like they're thinking years ahead here. So yeah, it's the reason why it's an investor meeting too. They're mm-hmm. talking about like trying to get people to like uh, tone down their expectations of how much money they're gonna come get in. So when they're saying like downside, it's more like you'll see the curve going down. It's not like we're gonna expect to see a console soon. It's like we have to start planning towards mm-hmm. a way to boost back up sales by making the console. I don't think that yeah, we'll st- will still be a couple years away. I'd I mean, say from like recent reports, it seems like there might already be uh, tools out for the next one because like uh, there's been reports that, you know, AMD is already signed contracts with Sony for the next PlayStation. They've got like the, the Ryzen, the new processor, like they're still developing like a custom chip for it. And it might be using their next uh, big graphical leap, the Navi, which is kind of like what their plans are is like, it's going to be able to beat the 1080 Ti basically is what they have plans for. And so they're using that technology that won't be out till 2019 at the earliest for consumers. And so if they're taking that technology and improving on it, yeah, 2020 seems uh, not too far off, but like, it's kind of hard to speculate on that stuff because like for me, and I think I like to hear Cosmo as well, because of course uh, you play a lot of these, uh, obviously your your opinion matters as much as ours, of course. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's that 
it's not my problem hasn't been so much the hardware it's the service side of things and i feel like sony has kind of dropped the ball in many respects because if you're looking at 2019 you've already got problems with what they're dealing with in terms of not i mean with consoles and games is that they're dropping most of the instant game collection for playstation plus members you're only going to be able to get two ps4 games and and no more ps3 or vita games which is you know it was going to happen eventually but it doesn't sound like they're really going to be doing anything to make up for that. And still, we're still paying 60 bucks a year for that service. Uh, they're ending the Vita, essentially, by ending physical production. I'm not saying like that's going to be the end of it all. Like Digital games can continue, but like who really wants to develop for a platform where it seems like they're really closing the book on it once and for all? It's like they're going to move almost entirely to the Switch at that point, or another platform, of course. So you got that. And generally speaking, like, there's not a whole lot of games that to be really excited for, you know? I mean, obviously, we're talking about Valkyrie Chronicles 4, and we're talking about Dragon Quest Eleven, and, and some other important games to, to show up as well. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, they could... I mean, they have, a, they have a decent number. Like, they have a decent they number, have but... Uh, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us... And there are whatever the fourth game is that they're demoing at E3. So they have a handful. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I shouldn't talk about anything about 2019 because, like, why would they be showing stuff about that necessarily? I mean, I guess Tsushima seems like that'd be a 2019 title. And then you've got next year for, like, Anthem and games like that. Our dra- the next Dragon Age will probably be on, uh, will probably be coming out, like, there too. But it's like, it's what the f- hard to be about that. What the f- from software was. Oh, then sorry, your, your phone cut out. Uh, your mic cut out, Adam. But uh, I was saying, yeah, like, the, the, the next, next uh, game. Yeah. yeah, the next From Software game. Yeah, sorry. And apparently, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of From, they've apparently got other titles in development. I think they've got, like, something with Activision was one of the rumors. And then they've got, like, uh, a VR game in development for PlayStation. Bring back Armored Core. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's a potential <laughs> Armored Core. But, Casma, what, what's your take on this news? Bring back Metal Wolf Chaos. Oh, about um, kind of the reaction to the PS5 or just in general? Generally about the news that it's ending its like final phase of its life cycle. Uh, and, you know, just, just generally speaking, like, what's, your, what's been your take on how this, this uh, generation's gone for them? I think it's gone fairly well. Um, just because, okay, so I don't really care about this whole console war shit. I'll say that right now. But sure. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, no, I'm just saying that they have more exclusives and stronger IPs than Microsoft does. Yeah. So getting a PS4 was really worth it over getting a one. Like I was about to get a one. They canceled Scalebound and then I dropped the one. Like, <laughs> I was not going to get a one after that. So I think they've done pretty well in terms of being a console um, because you can't really compete with the PC. It's just way too accessible. Um, I mean, like, building a PC is expensive, but once you have that PC, you can play, like, almost anything, right? You can even emulate, like, a PlayStation 3 on your fucking PC now and shit, yeah. and that works. Um, Not that we encourage that. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't. <laughs> don't do that. Um, oh, that's all gray area, yeah. Yeah, um, but I think as a console, it's done fairly well, and it has produced a lot of really interesting and unique IPs to add to its roster, so I think the PS5 yeah. will be pretty strong. Regarding people freaking out about, oh my god, the PS4 is over, not going to develop any more games for it. Like, I think people are really jumping the gun because life cycle doesn't mean they're going to stop developing games for the PS4. It's a broad thing. It just, yeah. yeah, they're just like they're sort of like phasing it out. Like they're preparing for the PS5. Like they that's don't it. Drop, it's not. They're, they don't yeah, drop they're just their not going to fucking. Exactly. They're not. I, I wouldn't say Microsoft did that. I'd just say Microsoft didn't follow through with some 
early investments that they should have had to sort of bolster their lineup. Because if they had kept a lot of the titles that they had announced, I think people would genuinely have more interest in the one. Um, yeah, I, or buy. I, I, I mean, it, I mean, it's really strong in the UK, um, but I only really know about the Japanese market, and I don't know fucking anybody. Uh, There's like the one or two person that happens to show up like, yeah. every week or something. Yeah, the, the sales for that yeah. is really tiny. But yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's that, um, and I don't want to spend my entire time talking about this, but like, I love the thing I love about the Xbox One is the service, uh, the services that they offer that I wish Sony did, like backwards compatibility. Because I think it's crazy uh, that, that you can play all these great like 360 and original Xbox games. Like, and, and it seems like they have plans to bring way more over as well, especially original Xbox. Like, once Atogi shows up, I'm going to be stoked. That's all hell. Because um, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's still some on my shelf over there. <laughs> Just one and two. I they mean, weren't backwards compatible on the Xbox 360. So it's kind of been just... Here I am I mean, playing... Breath of oh, no, Fire. I was going to say... Here I am playing Breath of Fire 4 on a PlayStation 3 because yeah, I can't play a CD on PlayStation 4. Well, okay, like I will say something in relation to that though, right? Like yeah. the Xbox One may have backwards compatibility, but again, around that time I was thinking about buying an Xbox One, they were literally selling 360s for like 35 euros at a GameStop. Yeah. I bought one, took it home, set it up, and I bought all the games that I wanted from that old library like for maybe five to 15 euros. And that was way better in my opinion than going out and buying the one because it doesn't have any modern games (laughs) that I can actually go and play. Like that's the problem. Like I'm buying this console so I can play the games that are going to be released for it. Yeah. it's Right now, like the Xbox one S is pretty much the way people use to like have a, it's like how the PlayStation three used to be the way people play Blu-ray discs. Now at the Xbox one S pretty much how people play like UHD discs and I wouldn't say I. I'd say like uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be another cycle again where Sony goes down and Microsoft goes up. I'm kind of wondering like if if Microsoft is going to take the hits that they learned this time and has Sony gotten a little too um, I guess their hubris is showing lately, and I'm wondering if that's going to like uh, bite them as it did in the PlayStation Three to PlayStation Four uh, Switch. Yeah, like I mean, if, a lot yeah. of it was, of course, that they were investing in new technology that they didn't really understand too much, and so developers had a really hard time developing around that, and so they decided to go with the 360. I, I imagine because, uh, of course, the it was more PC based, and so it was easier for them to understand. But yeah, I mean, there's yeah. definitely a few games I love on the Xbox One. Like Forza Horizon is incredible. I have a great time with that. Yeah, I'm see, hoping if for I like some cars, and I'd be into it. Yeah, but... it's all. P- I mean, it, you you'd probably like it because I'm sure there's like a ton of like Yakuza skins for cars. But you know, it's it's. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for Sunset Overdrive two at E3. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. I'm hoping for Sunset Overdrive two at E3. It's like if that does it, then yeah. Uh, for now, like uh, the Xbox One X, which I own, it's become my preferred platform for like if to choose between PlayStation Four and Xbox One. If it has an Xbox One X version, I'm getting that one. It's kind of getting that old like Xbox versus PlayStation Two. If it's a multi-platform, then I get the Xbox version. It's become that kind of a thing for me with the Xbox One X. And I'm just, I'm hoping that Microsoft takes what they learned from this. And like, I know that they keep saying, oh, we're going to get that Japanese market one day. Uh, we're going to be making video games <laughs> one day. They need, to, yeah. they need to get out of the Japanese market. I will say, though, um, Phil Spencer, hell of a guy. Like, you can tell that yeah. he really cares a lot the about best it. person that they've ever had for, like, He's especially compared to that. What was that previous guy that had the weird haircut? That uh, Don, Don Matrick, Dan Matrick. Yeah, bad dad. He was. Oh god, yeah. you could. You just. He had that kind of demeanor that you just couldn't get into that. 
And I think that with Phil Spencer, they've really strict gold. I think he's like the most approachable out of all the three, like spokesmen, like even more so than Reggie. I he just has that look to him where he, because he's approachable in a way that Reggie just seems too intimidating to. <laughs> uh, I talked to Phil Spencer in a Starbucks once. He's a really nice guy. I will agree yeah. with that. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously that that's not enough, uh, clearly. And they have a lot of work to do in terms of, yes, it's library. It's very flat, especially this year. Like you don't, I can't can't think of any games coming out the xbox one x exclusive uh xbox one except for like you know um what was the rare forza game? yeah forza but that's on PC uh, is, is it is it super lucky's tale or whatever no 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 it's it's the um uh what's the pirate game that rare put out just recently uh, cfc yeah, yeah, yeah. i heard it's getting a lot better i heard it sucked at launch but it's getting apparently they're adding a ton of content to make it well there's also yeah, there's also yeah, but like, they'll have like They'll have what? What is it it's the fucking ubisoft game that's ju- it's gonna be just like this but it's gonna be on all the consoles or whatever, like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and like... That's buried at Sea. Buried at Sea. Yeah. That's more of a yeah, PvP thing, too. though. Yeah. Well, actually, I was just about to mention State of Decay 2 just yes, came yes, out. Yes, 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 yes. And that's a Microsoft Studios game. But that's also got that weird thing where it's on Xbox One, but it's also on Windows. Yeah, so. it's a bit of a technical <laughs> mess right now, but they're fig- they're figuring it out, apparently. But yeah. Yeah, that's, that's... yeah well, State of Decay 1 was like that at the beginning. It's yeah. like, I guess they just have this kind of habit of like starting off like a mess and then gradually gets to the point where you can play it and then it becomes good again. Well, unless it's like the Bethesda thing where it never gets, they never yeah, fix the problems that it, and it'll be there. They don't care the enough to. Like, yeah, well, it's, 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 well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no more. Uh, but yeah, all the I mean, obviously, E3 will tell a lot about what this will be, and especially like what 2019 looks like for the PlayStation 4. Hopefully, they'll announce. I mean, they already said they're going to have like only just four games to focus on, so it kind of shows. But maybe we'll have to wait till like maybe Paris Games Week or something like that to hear more about what Sony has. But kind of uh, when yeah. is Paris Games Week? Uh, it's like late, like early October, I think it was, because they didn't. They decided not to show up much. What was it like? Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's it's like I think I got the dates mixed up. It's that they decided not to show much of Gamescom and waited till Paris Games Week instead, like the past couple of years, to to reveal mm-hmm. anything. But maybe it'll be Tokyo Game Show. They've been doing some better things there. I think they've been doing some important stuff there. But you know, maybe that's when we'll hear about the third yeah. game as well. But in any case, uh, yeah, as you said, it's some console war shit <laughs> that this is going on. Yeah, Nintendo's just... just over there doing their amazing thing themselves. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I really think people are just overreacting. Like they're freaking out because they don't like understand what this means from like a business perspective. Yeah, and like somebody's like explained to them, like no, like, your PlayStation 4 is still going to be relevant for, like, another two or three more years. Like, please relax. Like, I mean, it's not over yet. We, we talked about Yakuza. Yakuza 0 is on PS3 as well. Like, they released it over here. Persona 5 also got a PS3 release. Like, it's still going to be around. It's just, you know, a little bit of the focus will shift a little bit. And I assume that, well, if it does come out, I assume it'll play your PlayStation 4 discs. Hopefully. But we'll see. Uh, not that Sony Exec has any choice. No. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see. Not. I mean, the, the I remember, like, what was it? Uh, there was that news. Uh, I forget the Sony Europe boss. Uh, he said maybe it was actually Kaz. I forget uh, who said that. You know, we have we don't see much use in the, that Nintendo Switch market. Like we don't think it's very profitable. And then like this week they were talking about you know there's something about that. Maybe we can do something. And that uh, I think it was even the new CEO said something like that. And there's also rumor about uh, PlayStation Mini apparently being made. Uh, they're thinking about it. Uh, not a confirmation, but you know it's something they're looking at. So like. If this is how they're going to put PS1 games in today's market is making their little mini, I'm not totally opposed to that because I just like the idea of still being able to play. I'd buy it. Game. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly buy like, it. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, okay, if they put Legend... <laughs> like yeah, no, if they do that and they put Legend of Dragoon on it, like, 
instant buy for me. Instant buy. I'd be curious to see what. Well, here's hoping that. I think the first step they need to take if they want to show that they're going to do is that they need to allow crossplay for Fortnite. That's like the biggest step they can take right now to show that they're not like trying to be isolationist. Like we don't uh, conform to other consoles. Like I think they need to be able to open themselves up to be able to be a part of this market. I mean, they don't. Yeah. They don't do that for Minecraft. They don't do that for Rocket League. So I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like, and I don't know if that'll if that was really something they need to focus on because, like, you know, it's, that would just like, Sony will do it with. Go ahead. Sony will do it with Nintendo, but Sony won't do it with Microsoft. Is the thing. What did they like, do with Nintendo? I think they did uh, Rocket League. I no, think that Sony Nintendo, Nintendo did something with Micro. I think Nintendo and Microsoft are doing stuff together with like uh, Minecraft and. My- I just remember something that Sony and Nintendo did. It might have been, but I can't remember. And it's just, it's just one of those things where Sony is like, like I mentioned before, their hubris is like making it so like, oh, we don't need to play with you guys. We can do our thing on our own. It's, it's really frustrating to see them like not learn from their mistakes that they made it during the previous years and they're just kind of getting full of themselves again and i already had like this argument with another person that like about like why would you want anything from sony uh, from a playstation uh console on pcs like be- people on pcs don't like any of the things that people on the playstation 4 like <laughs> that's a dumb stance yeah it's just it's just kind of it's like kind of uh cultivating this habitat of like of just that's okay with any, that's okay with any platform though it's like why why people don't want multi-platform games period like why does that have to be on a different console because more people get to play yeah. it. you know that's that's just a shitty things on um, yeah like but I'm I, just, I will say comments like that the nintendo switch market isn't profitable so why bother it those those don't help for sure yeah Nintendo's it's more the it's more the case that sony needs to open up a bit more because otherwise they're just going to be like another Nintendo, pretty much. They need another Adam Boyce because that guy is yes. awesome. I love, I love talking to that guy, hanging out with him. Let's wrap this up though, because we're getting really off in uh, a tangent here. Like that's been basically the last forty minutes, but I kind of expected that to happen, and I appreciate uh, all of all of you guys' input on that. But let's finish this up, uh, telling you guys where you can find us online. You can always find us on RPGSite.net. You can find us on Twitter at RPGSite. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rpgsitenet. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash rpgsitenet. So you can check out those Magic Net Rare and Parasite Eve 2 playthroughs. They're all up there. Um, we also put up the Monster Hunter World P- uh, PS4 console unboxing that James did for us back in uh, January before he found out that it was being they were bringing over that edition. Uh, we had some trouble with the licensing, but I was like, screw it. Posted it. So that's up there, too. People want to check that out. It's very, very cool looking console you can also find us on itunes your favorite podcast app just search for tetracast or rpg site sometimes that pulls it up too you can find us on discord our permanent discord link is discord.me such rpg site finally i could like to tell you where you can find us on twitter so where can they find you adam reese you can find me at a-m-r-e-e-s-e adam vitaly k-i-n-g underscore s-e-d-a uh kazma Justice Kazi underscore. Got- I'm not spelling that out. No, <laughs> no, you don't have to. I think people get the point. No, I don't spell mine out either. It's Ad Zachary's. So yes, uh, thank you, uh, Adam, Kazima, Adam, and myself for all being a part of this podcast. Uh, yeah, great being here for this uh, May 26, 2018 edition. Catch us next week for another edition. See ya.